0: After this morning, we're going to be taking a break uh, from our study through the Gospel of Matthew. As you know, we've been working our way through this from September. Um, And so, over summer, we'd like to do a new... series uh, so we're going to do uh, the power of don't we've called it uh, and because the Bible has so much to say about the things uh, that we shouldn't do and the things that we're encouraged to do and so we're going to be preaching on some of those passages uh, uh, through the summer of the July and August uh, so uh, just so we get a break from for Matthew as we come back to it and, uh, and also the second thing is this is on the five Tuesday nights of August uh, we're going to do a special teaching series uh, on the Holy Spirit Uh, so we've called these Summer Bible Nights uh, five Tuesday nights in August and we literally inviting the whole church uh, to come along to this we want to do some teaching uh, on this uh, as a church and we thought this is a great opportunity here uh, to be able to do this so these two things are, are what's going to be happening over the summer uh, for us as we come to the, the summer but uh, for this morning we're going into um Uh, another part of Matthew as we come to the the end of this let's just take a moment to pray Uh, Father we come before you today we thank you Lord Though we gathered in your house we thank you we've come to worship we've come around your table we thank you as we come to your word and we pray every Sunday it's a living word that you use to change us to challenge us to encourage us, to change us, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your word. It's still as relevant today as when it was written. We're so thankful as we gather around this that you have something uh, to say to us. So we just ask that you you'll bless it to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Since we started in Matthew as we uh, presented the new vision back in September, and we called it the invitation, and that's been before you every Sunday. We'd summarized Uh, the statement of our intent uh, of the mission of the church and we we gave it the wee line to come to him and go for him Uh, because in in the gospel of Matthew Jesus gives uh, four invitations and we really focused on those two simply to come to Jesus but to go for him as well to tell people about him to invite people to discover who he is to invite people to come uh, to church Uh, last week we had in chapter 11 uh, and we looked at the verses where they focused on John the Baptist because John the Baptist had come as the messenger before jesus and and simply presented the message and they'd rejected john the baptist and they were rejecting jesus now and the message that he was bringing as well they rejected both the message and the messenger we said two things we said one uh, jesus was not very popular with the pharisees and the religious teachers of the day they did not accept him as the messiah that was to come that was the first problem the second problem was this uh, uh, the people were indifferent they they just sort of were passive about it they didn't really seem too bothered that what either john the baptist had said or or what jesus had said and what jesus had come to do uh, and so they weren't really interested in the message that they were preaching and We'd said last week that they were really coming to the point where the Pharisees and the religious teachers and the Jews were were simply getting ready to reject Jesus as the Messiah. We're moving to chapter 12, that's what was going to happen, that Jesus had told the crowd that they wouldn't receive him uh, for the same reason that they'd rejected John. Uh, they simply believed that they must depend upon their own works under the law and that would be enough for them to get into heaven to please God and so they simply believed themselves a privileged group of people were not interested in what Jesus had come to do who he was and what he said and so they thought they could do it all by themselves so we come to the last verses in Matthew 11 and it says this it says then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent woe to you Chorazin woe to you Bethsaida for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be lifted to the heavens. No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you come to me all you are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light the woes that jesus had pronounced there uh, are really warnings upon the three cities but it's really representative of the unresponsive generation that unresponsive people who had simply heard what Jesus had to say They had seen him do the miracles, and it just hadn't affected them in any way. It just didn't seem to sort of bother them. And and these three uh, town settlements, I suppose, were the most prominent uh, Jewish towns along the western Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum was actually Jesus' adopted hometown uh, of his ministry, Uh, the headquarters of the Army of Salvation, Spurgeon said. They had seen Jesus. He was the son of god they had heard him uh, but they had remained as hardened as ever uh, to the message that he brings so jesus is really denouncing the whole jewish people in representation of these three cities he's speaking in the strongest possible terms he's really condemning them for not repenting having seen the great many miracles that jesus had performed in their presence And so we see the first point this morning is really this is the issue for Jesus was repentance. Their rejection of him as Messiah was just a symptom of a larger problem, and that larger problem was an unrepentant heart. They hadn't chosen to be changed. They had simply heard what Jesus had to say uh, and then simply just not been interested enough to do anything about it. Uh, And so he's not directing the people in a sense to feel sorry for him. We would see repentance as a a change of action in a sense. Uh, You know, even as believers, we would we would spend time in our devotions I believe as we come, Uh, and the first thing we do is is we confess our sins, don't we? We come to God uh, and we repent. And the repentance is a change of action, and that this was something bigger here. Jesus was calling for a change of heart. A change of perspective, a turn from living in disobedience to God to obedience in faith. Really, what he's saying is this is a change in perspective, a change of heart, a fundamental shift in thinking that begins a new spiritual course. This is what Jesus had come to do with the Jews. He had come to say, Look, I'm the Messiah all the way through matthew so far up until these uh, 11 chapters the end of the 11 chapters this has been matthew's message hasn't it it says right from the sermon on the mount right from the moral teaching that jesus has brought the ethical teaching it's all been about this is wanted the people to realize he is the messiah he is the son of god and for them to accept him But uh, simply what had happened is they just ignored it they just simply not believed that he was the Messiah. And so there was no change of heart, no fundamental shift in their thinking. Uh, they were not set upon a new spiritual course. And so Jesus condemned Israel because they would not repent simply, despite the many miracles that Jesus did in, the presence, in, his, in their presence. Because the first problem always with is this a repentant heart must come from an open heart. And their hearts were just closed they just were not even open to anything that, that he had to say they had rejected him outright even watched him even to the point of believing he was uh, almost—he uh, was a demon he was, uh, he was not actually who he had said he was and so their hearts were so closed but a repentant heart has to come from an open heart that actually it comes and it simply says here we are so Jesus gives them this warning not just to those who have sinned but to those who are indifferent as well. It says we cannot live in different lives as believers, can we? It's one side or the other. It says we cannot sit in the middle. You know, even in Revelation, we, we read the story of that the, the been lukewarm, uh, of what happens to spat out of the mouth, because their lukewarmness is no good to anybody. It's no good to you, it's no good to God, it's no good to anybody, because it just sits in the middle. It just sits in the middle. And this is, and I'm trying to describe this is the way the people were. They were just so, it doesn't really matter. We're not really interested. And, and Jesus had done these mighty works in these places. But there had not been any acceptance of who Jesus was and what he had come to do. It wasn't just about the words that Jesus said. It was about the things that he had done as well. People had witnessed. Imagine being there on the days when people had seen the miracle of the eyes being opened. Imagine being there witnessing the day when the four friends carried uh, their sick friend on on the stretcher, couldn't get into the house, so lowered him down through, through the roof and Jesus healed him so he could walk. Imagine being there and witnessing that. But actually it doesn't affect you. It doesn't change you. It just you've just witnessed something, you know, special, but it hasn't made any difference to your life. And this is what Jesus has done. He has come and he has done all of this. He has shown the people this is who is. Often people would say, he says, Oh, we need more miracles today. More miracles would draw people in and more miracles would prove how right Christianity is and stuff. You know, Jesus did all of these miracles and it didn't change most people who witnessed it. I mean it just didn't I mean it didn't you know having all Jesus actually there and changing it if you were one of the 5,000 who got fed that day you know surely you would ask the question where did all this food come from surely if you'd witnessed some of the things that Jesus had done surely it would have changed you it would have affected you enough even just to ask some questions even just to say who is this person but for these people it hadn't made any difference and Jesus had come and you know God the Father was willing to go the extra mile and I read this it says of backing his son's claims with signs and wonders because it says they experienced a greater light so there was a greater accountability to them that actually they had to make a decision And and you see, we present this, we we, we even do it today as we come to church, it says, when you preach Jesus Christ, you've got to preach a decision. You, You can't preach something indifferent that says, you know, for those of you who feel as though it's something for you, that's fantastic. Or for those of you who don't, well that's okay, just keep living the way you're living. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel, it's got to be one or the other. Because Jesus preached it that way as he came to the people and he showed them with the signs and the wonders this is who he was. But people just, well, so what? Big deal. You know, it just says, well, we'll just carry on living our lives for whatever reason they thought, well, maybe he's not the Messiah. Or maybe that's okay for those people who probably need that in their life. we come up with all sorts of different reasons. And it just all thrown together was indifference apathy that's simply well it's not really affecting the life that i'm living at the moment jesus calls for a challenge for the people here and he says you know and, and, and what jesus does as he comes to this way he says there's an unresponsiveness here that, that simply comes and it's that generation is characteristic of the generation well it's getting in the way of my life it's getting in the way of what i want to do and, and Jesus condemns them, and, and and this is this is the judgment of God here. And people say, "Oh, well, we don't see much of the judgment of God as Jesus speaks." Well, we do, because each each one was fulfilled against these cities. They were destroyed long ago, been desolate for generations. And you see, this is the moment, not only that the generation turns against Jesus, but Jesus turns against the generation as well there's almost this moment that he says you know what i have come to the jews i've come to the israelites and i've said This is who I am. This is what I've come to do. I've backed it up by the signs and wonders and the miracles. But hey, if you're not interested, if if this doesn't affect you at all, then I'm coming and going to share it with everybody else. And this is the moment that Jesus turns against his own people. Because the problem is this is, uh, it's something this book. These cities did not attack Jesus. They did not drive him from the gates. They did not seek to crucify him. They just simply disregarded him. Just simply said, nothing for me. And neglect can kill as much as persecution. Just simply not doing anything with Jesus is still the same as rejecting him. Some people would say, and you hear it, well, if it's okay for you, if that's what you find in your life, satisfies your life and helps you, people use that reason. But that's still neglect because it's not doing anything with Jesus. Uh, and as I've just said, this was not only the, just the rejection of the people towards Jesus; it was the rejection of Jesus towards the people as well. That simply, as he as he preaches his message, as he shares his truth, as a witness, what he has done with people. Simply, that rejection is there. That simply, some said, you know, I mean, people will say sometimes, and and there was well i like what you have to say about this jesus and i could see how it could change my life but not just yet i have to get something sorted first uh, and it's like we'd said in previous times that when and you know it's that word that, that jesus uses when he comes uh, to zacchaeus he says today today i must come to your house today is a day of salvation we can only deal in today's uh, and you know and here Jesus is simply saying this is you've had your chance in a sense I've come and I've presented uh, and you've rejected me but I reject you as well Jesus is giving that. So I reject you as well if you're not accepting who I am and what I've come to do I'm rejecting you as well and you say Israel had these hard hearts that refused to repent and embrace Jesus in place of their established system of rules and privilege and all the way through Matthew, we've spoken about the religious teachers and the Pharisees who have set these things in place. So, so you can try and earn your salvation, but you can't earn it because there's too many rules to keep. He says 648 there was, and extras that they'd added on and added on. It was impossible to keep them all. But they presented this to the people and said, this is the way you've got to live your life. This is the way you have to do it and Jesus comes with a whole new message. He says it's not about keeping the rules. It's not about obeying the law. I've come to fulfill the law. The law served for a time for a purpose and we looked at that. It served for a time up to a point. But now it's about Jesus. Now but still their hearts are hardened. They had simply refused to repent. And in that refusal to repent was the result of the father's choice to leave Israel ignorant so simply the journey was that they would crucify Jesus because God always has a plan he always has something as a plan He, he sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end nothing catches him by surprise and you see God the father saw the religious wise they were remaining ignorant while the religiously ignorant were enlightened And there was a sense of the joy as he begins to speak with God the Father. Because what's happened now is this, and we've seen this all the way through Matthew, that God had chosen the unlikely to respond to his message. Walking along the Sea of Galilee, he sees fishermen. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Normal people are going to be fishermen for the rest of their life. Suddenly it's a shock. So the religious teachers and the Pharisees, what about going down the Bible school? Get the fellas from there, Jesus says, no says these are the ones i want a tax collector sitting at the table another story we looked at matthew he says come and follow me and says, well he's a tax collector we hate tax collectors they rob us they steal from us jesus is calling him to be one of his disciples the the women that are there the roman centurions that are there and he says i've never seen faith like this in all of israel and it's all the people who in a sense are religiously ignorant All the people who don't know any better other than to accept this man Jesus for who he is and what he said he's come to do. The Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one who's come to give people life, who's come to set people free from their sin, who's come to take away their guilt and their shame. And those people who in a sense who are religiously ignorant they're the ones who say, I'll have some of that. That's me. So Jesus goes and sits when Matthew and Zacchaeus, what the, they both do is say, come and tell my friends, come and sit with us and have dinner. And the religious teachers and the Pharisees are horrified. This man, this son of God, this one professing to the, be the Messiah, he should be sitting with the, the important people with the big hat sitting in the synagogue having a dinner. Jesus says, I'm not doing that. He says, I'm a friend of sinners. He says, you don't necessarily need me, but, but these lot, they need me. He says, they're the sick, they're the ones that need the doctor. And so, in a sense, it has turned the whole world upside down. It's turned the whole religious system upside down because Jesus has chosen the unlikely to respond to his message where people have no hope and this is a recap of the stories in a sense that we've looked at since September the woman who comes who's been bleeding for 12 years has no hope anywhere else if I can just touch the hem of his garment and she's healed he's on his way to raise a little girl from the dead this is the hope that Jesus has born it makes it worse that the people that should know better have simply just rejected him are not chosen to repent god has designed his message of salvation so it won't appeal to just human intellect alone so that as someone believes in it the conversion of that person can only be understood as a work of god a revelation of god that god has done something in somebody's life paul calls it the power of god and the wisdom of god he designed his message of salvation to confound the wise to trip them up and he reveals himself it says in one Corinthians to the foolish to those in a sense who don't understand any better he says, is we're in now that's us he Says we didn't know any better we had no hope anywhere else and yet we found hope in Jesus Christ you see the Jewish listeners of Jesus they were engaged in this mighty struggle they wanted to know who god the father was but on their terms they wanted to fit him into a little box and so what the pharisees and the teachers of the law had done they had made the burdens of religion the requirements of religion so heavy that the people couldn't lift it the people couldn't manage it there was just simply no hope for them the the Jewish people were described trying to live under obedience to the law and and we looked at this way back at the beginning as having a yoke upon them uh, as as the ox would go around the field plowing the field there would be two of them and they would wear the yoke around their necks and they would walk slowly as they plowed the field and it was a heavy yoke that sat on the necks of them and this was described uh, as, as, as somebody who was trying to live their religious life for God Uh, And there was the yoke of the law, the yoke of commands, the yoke of observance, the yoke of repentance, the yoke of faith. And suddenly, Jesus arrives and he says to the people, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. That was us, weary and heavy laden, burdened with the things that we were carrying in life. It was these people here when Jesus gives them an invitation. He says, come to me. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to live like this with the burdens of the law that these religious teachers and Pharisees are putting on you. It will not achieve anything. He says, you come to me. And the invitation is given to all who are weary and burdened with the troubles of life, the sins of their decisions. He says, come to me. Just simple invitation. Jesus is still inviting people today, isn't he? Says, isn't he? He says, we're here as an invitation. People have come in from when we started this as an invitation, because we've simply said, here they are, come to me, Jesus says. You're weary and heavy laden, you're burdened with all the stuff that has happened to you in your life, all the wrong decisions you've made, all the wrong choices, all the stuff that's happened to you. He says Jesus simply gives an invitation he says come we've added it on come and take a seat with the rest of us your burden's not my burden my burden's not your burden but if there's one place where we believe that you can bring your burdens to it has to be church doesn't it it has to be church it can't be anywhere else people are looking elsewhere uh, for the answers to that but i tell you it's here it's in a seat here Because God accepts us. He doesn't accept us and keep us that way. He accepts us and he changes us. Because Jesus gives that invitation. That simply says come. And this is a perfect place for us to finish. To take a break. From the Gospel of Matthew. So I thought about this. and This is what happens when Jesus gets involved. Carried alone the yoke is unbearable. It makes us tired, weary and hopeless carried with Jesus the yoke is easy light and he gives us rest why because at times he bears the yoke with us and at other times he bears the yoke for us isn't that the truth of what Jesus Christ does in our lives he says there are times that he bears the yoke with us other times he bears the yoke for us there's still a there. He's He's not making it easy for those who are choosing to follow him. He's not making it easy for them. There's not a lazy meaning here. There is still a yoke to bear. But it's one with Jesus Christ. Where the people have chosen to reject him. By their hard, closed hearts. He says he offers this out to those with an open heart. With a repentant heart. Who have tried everything else. He's not offering freedom from commitment here. His yoke is still a yoke. But it is Jesus who makes them easy and light. Not because the demands are lighter, but his yoke represents his special relationship. This call to discipleship that Jesus brings along, not like the Pharisees and the religious teachers were not interested in the people. Jesus is interested in the people. The burdens are carried the yoke that they bear and he gives an invitation that says come to me come to me let's pray father god we we thank you for your word father as we conclude this part of matthew for a while what 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 amazing place to finish we started with an invitation we finished with the invitation That Jesus gives to the people burdened by the weight of the laws and the yoke that the Pharisees and the religious teachers are placing upon them. He gives them an invitation, say, come, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Lord, the power of your word means that that same invitation is present today in this church of 5 to 11 on the Sunday 11th of June you still present that invitation that we bring our burdens to you because we're feeling weary we're feeling heavy laden and we're looking for rest and the only true rest that is is one that is found in your son Jesus Christ because that is why he came for each and every one of us Father, help us to have an open heart, not a closed heart. Help us not to reject what your Son has done for us or the words that your Son has spoken. Help us to have an open, repentant heart for the best life to be lived is one that is found in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that today and that invitation that is presented to us today to come unto him to come unto him thank you for that in Jesus name amen amen